Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good. It's good. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are a step closer to the 2022 season for Tar Heel football. And so it is officially time for two of our favorite podcasts of the year. It is the breakout candidates today. And then later on this week, we will have our bold predictions out for you guys uh, again, it, it, this is one of those ones that is uh, fun to look back on at the end of the year. There have been some really strong hits for us. I know both, you know, a few years ago, uh, both of us had breakout seasons for Deami Brown on the horizon the year that he broke out. Um, and there have been a couple other really successful ones that we have guessed for Carolina. There have also been ones that have not been all that successful including last year both of us having Eugene Asante on that list and he didn't even make it to the to week 3 as the starter and eventually entered the transfer portal. Um so you never know what's going to end up happening. Um we always, you know, try to give you some some pretty bold uh opinions when it comes to both of these podcasts. Um and I think both of us, you know, we've got some some obvious guys today. We're you know as I said, we're doing breakout players today. We've got some obvious guys, but I think we've also got a couple that are a little bit off the wall. At least one I think for both of us is maybe a little bit off the wall as compared to some of the names that you've heard consistently throughout. And then at the end of the show, uh, I'll 
close it down by telling you a little bit about the Chapel Hill NIL Club, uh, which was something that was unveiled earlier this week on Thursday. So I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, for Toriel fans that want to get involved in helping Carolina uh, when it comes to NIL stuff, helping the football team in particular when it comes to NIL stuff. But as I mentioned, we are talking breakout players for this upcoming season and uh, it's it, it's very interesting because I going through this, and I don't know as I welcome in my co-host Josh Marlowe, who's here with me uh, for this edition of the podcast. You know, when I was looking through the list, I, I feel like there are a lot of guys that you think could end up having breakout seasons. It was tough for me to narrow this down to five because I think there are a lot of different guys that you probably feel pretty confident about stepping up this season. Um, but here's the thing. When when it comes to, first of all, when we're laying this out, this is basically guys that we think are going to break out that, you know, from a Tar Heel perspective. So guys that are seen as leaders of the defense, we're not talking about breaking out to the point of where they become national guys. Guys like Miles Murphy, Tony Grimes, uh, Cedric Gray, some of those guys are on some of the national breakout lists, but they won't be on ours because we know they're already talented players for Carolina. They've done it in the past, so we don't have those guys on here. Ours go a little bit deeper. I mean, there are clearly some obvious ones, but uh, I think what, we, what we're going to do is we'll have each guy kind of go one by one through their list. So for you know, go, you know, one to five, I guess – Maybe, you know, the way I listed it kind of was, I guess, the, the the least bold of me predicting these guys to the most bold out of the group. And I did that th- that same thing with the uh, bold predictions as well. But um, I'll let you start. So, yeah, just, I mean, we'll go through the five. here. What I'm thinking is, is you reveal a player, we talk back and forth a little bit about that player, uh, and then you'll keep going through your list, and then I'll go ahead and do mine uh, at the end. All right. So the first guy I wrote down, and I didn't do mine from least bold to most bold. I just did the first five that popped into my into my brain. The first guy I listed was Power Eccles, a guy that we saw a little bit towards the end of last year. And, you know, the, he as much as Cedric Gray emerged last year, um, we, we, we do know that um, – Power Eccles and Ra Ra deal with the kind of the future of Carolina's linebacking core. We we saw a play last year with Eccles. I believe it was against was it Florida State where he had the hit on the kickoff return. I think he got ejected for targeting. Yes, on the play as well. Not gonna say I'm commend hitting you know a, a penalty that resulted in targeting, but like he kind of flashed what he's gonna bring that ability to to really lay the thunder and a guy that can get sideline to sideline and can do a lot of different things and. You know, Carolina, they've got to find some answers alongside Cedric Gray at that linebacker spot. And I do think Power Eccles is going to be one of two guys. I think it's going to be a really big part of this linebacking core. And, you know, when we've talked about this defense taking a step forward under Gene Chizik, you look at what he did when he turned around the defense in 15. The, the, the play of the linebacker was a big reason why. And those guys – were not or are not as talented as the guys that Carolina currently has on their roster, mm-hmm. which is why I think we're all excited about Chizik being able to turn this defense around because he did it once in Chapel Hill with less talent. He's back in Chapel Hill with more talent. So I think we we, we naturally believe he's going to be able to turn this defense around like he did you know, some seven years ago. 
and I do think Power Eccles will be a big reason why this defense will be much improved from what we saw under Jay Bateman the last three years. Well, here's the thing. The reason that you brought up the play that you did with him is that it showed physicality, and it showed something that a lot of the other guys that played in the defense last year at times seemed to lack, and we saw moments where he brought that. Remember the game against Wake Forest, Jeremiah Gimmel gets ends up getting ejected at the end of the first quarter for a hit for targeting, and he has to step in and play the rest of that game. And I thought did some really good things. Now you've got a guy that the entire offseason has been about preparing him to be a starter alongside of Cedric Gray. And, I mean, it's just it's a guy that I remember going back to watching him in high school. He is an instinctual linebacker. He's a guy that is going to play off of instincts. He's going to take some risks. And, look, there's probably going to be times where that can hurt you. But more times than not, especially with his ability physically – he is going to make the play. And that's the thing that I think you should be most excited about with Power Eccles. Now, look, I, I understand. I just mentioned coming into this segment that we had Eugene Asante as a breakout guy at linebacker. Um, so maybe there is some hesitancy for people to put linebackers on here. But I think that this is just this is a different type of guy. The thing with Asante that we liked the most about him last year was the athleticism, the sideline-to-sideline ability. And look, Power Eccles has that ability. There's no doubt about that. But the thing that we like the most about Power Eccles is he plays downhill. He's looking to light you up, and he's a guy that I think is going to be able, more often than not, to get off of blocks. And that's something that we need so much more of this year for Carolina so, yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor him. And I, I think he's one of those guys, too, that maybe not a lot of people are talking about nationally. A lot of people look at Cedric Gray. This is a guy, I, I would not be shocked if he's a dude that at the end of the year is a second-team All-ACC guy and is one of those guys that heading into next year is one of the more talked-about linebackers in the ACC because he, he plays the way that Gene Chizik wants his defense to play. The second guy I have listed, I think, is something that uh, Carolina, you know, we've talked a lot about them needing more from the tight end position. We don't know who that might be as of today. But I wrote down Bryson Nesbitt mm-hmm. just because I think he's a guy that can do a lot of different things. Eric Ebron-esque, where he's a very athletic tight end, a guy who you can line up all over the field. He's going to cause matchup problems for tight ends. I think he'll be a big part of this offense if it is successful in the red zone, um, being able to just get him the football and jump ball situations when they're down inside the 10-yard line or so. And I think this is something that – I think this is the next evolution of Phil Longo's offense. They've been able to run the ball. It's a run-first offense. They've been able to spread the ball to the wide receivers with De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome, and Josh Downs over the years. But I think now it's time to involve the tight ends a little bit more. They've recruited talent and depth to that position, something that didn't quite exist here when when Mac Brown first got here. Mm-hmm. And I think this year, when you're breaking into a quarterback like you are like you are with either Criswell or or Drake May, usually young quarterbacks are tight end friendly, so that that, that does lend for them to having more success. And I think Nesbitt's going to be a type of guy that you know the numbers might be 35, 40 catches and only 400 yards and five touchdowns, but for this offense, that tight end production would be the most we've seen since Phil Longo got here and and, and would be something that could really help ease in the new quarterback. So I, I, I think this is a year for Nesbitt to really emerge 
and I do think he will have a, let me say a big-time season, but he'll be a breakout season. When we come back next year, we're talking about him being one of the best tight ends in the ACC and maybe all of college football. I mean, it's all about how you classify a breakout season for a guy. I mean, if you're looking at this guy and thinking that, yeah, we're going to see him put up 800 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns, like I I just – I don't know if that is what is going to end up happening for him. Now, again, there's an element to him that you didn't mention there – it, remember, where did he play? Where did he start at in the spring game? He started on the outside. So you've got the ability to move him around a little bit more than some of the guys that Carolina has had in recent years. Um, but I, I think just from looking at him, out of that tight end position, he's probably the guy that you feel the most confident in when it comes to our excitement for him before the season at that position in a while because he he looks different than some of the other guys that you've had there. Um, you know, one of the main things that Carolina has been about with a lot of their tight ends is building up the guys that can become those really solid blocking tight ends and they can help you in the passing game if they need to. Even under Phil Longo, that has seemed to be the goal. Um, and they've gotten some guys that have helped them. I mean, look, last year, Kamari Morales got off to a really good start. Um, you know, and he had his inconsistencies throughout the year, but he was a, he was a threat for Carolina in the red zone. I think, you know, one of the things that Carolina is looking for, and I think Bryson Nesbitt could be this guy. We saw it a couple of times, some of the biggest catches that he made last year, he made as a third down receiver. That's what you need your tight end to be in this offense, especially for a new quarterback. You have seen them take a step in the red zone. But you, it, in order for this team to be able to continue some of these drives this year, you can't always rely on Josh Downs. I mean, look, there are going to be times where he's going to be able to create separation himself, no problem. But we've seen teams have done everything they can to double-team him and take him away. You need other guys that are going to step up. And now, with Antoine Green out, the tight ends are going to be really big in terms of trying to figure out that number two option, could somebody emerge from that group? I think so, and I think Nesbitt has the better receiving ability of the two. He's more savvy. There's more. There's different things that you can do with him. And look, I mean, there's going to be sets where Josh Downs can move to the outside, and you can put Bryson Nesbitt in the slot, something that they really haven't been able to do since you had Eric Ebron here. The third guy I have written down comes from the quarterback position, and I've made it known I think Drake May – Will ultimately be this team starting quarterback. I, you know, the sooner, the better. Um, but this, this, you know, we we still appear to be some time away from them being from them naming a starter. Although probably it, a little over a week, I think. Um, it's not as likely they're going to be going into the season. I don't think with two quarterbacks like we thought. No, no. You know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, and you know, if 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 Drake May would, if if I knew today he was going to be the starter. I would be bold enough to maybe say he puts up similar numbers that Sam Howell did his freshman year because I think naturally he's a more gifted quarterback. I think his his intangibles and stuff are better than Sam Howell's were. This was a guy that was at once committed to Alabama um, that Carolina later flipped. And if you're being recruited by Nick Saban, that speaks volumes about the type of talent you are at the position. But we don't know that today. But I still think he's going to break out. He's going to be – the future of this quarterback room and maybe the future of what Mac Brown's program is going to look like if Mac Brown has a, a bounce back season and stays on as Carolina's head coach. And, you know, this is just a guy that 
still has a long way to go in his development. He's got to put on some weight. He's got to do some things to his body and stuff like that. But he has he has all of the the it factors you want. His 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 ability to throw the deep ball is going to be just as good as Sam's was. His ability to go through progressions, stuff like that. He's got mobility factors and, and everything like that. So I think he's a natural fit in this offense. And I do think that once he gets acclimated to being the starter and being comfortable, you know, running this offense, he's going to put up big numbers on a week in week out basis. And even if this is a team that has to win games and shootouts, which is still a really big possibility, I do think that by the end, by the end of the season, we'll be able to go out and score 35, 45 points a game if we have to with him at the quarterback spot. So I'm not willing to put a number on his passing touchdowns or yards because he hasn't been officially named the starting quarterback yet. Um, but I do, I do imagine him winning the starting quarterback job and at some point in the season breaking out and 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 and, and Cementing himself as the future uh, of 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 Carolina football. Man, this is certainly bold putting one of the quarterbacks on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, think oh, just about everything you said is right. I'm not I'm not in the same camp with you on. He, he will have a, dev- a better deep ball than Sam Howell. Um, when I watched him in high school, that that what I'm not going to say that wasn't a strength of his, but I think that. What he brings that Howell didn't is I think there's more consistency at every level of passing. I looked at him and saw him, especially in the intermediate passing game, I thought he was tremendous. You talk about a guy that um, just goes through his progressions about as as well as anybody that I saw at the high school level. Uh, He wasn't a guy that got panicked. Now, again, you know, things can change when you're playing behind an offensive line that's struggling like Sam Howell had to do. Uh, really in high school and at the NFL level, uh, or excuse me, at the uh, college football level. I just saw him play earlier today in a preseason game, so that's why I said the NFL level. Um, but I, I think it's it's going to be interesting because if he's in there, it's a different it's a different style of offense. You're not going to run as much read option with him. He's a thinner quarterback. He's a guy that when I look at him. He can run if he needs to, but that's not part of his game. He's not going to be a read option quarterback. I don't think you're going to see much of that. So I think, yeah, it probably would look a lot like the 2019 offense that Carolina ran, um, which you know was was basically in place to protect Sam Howell to make sure that he did not get take a bunch of hits. Um, and they would, you know, he would use his legs if he needed to, but there weren't many designed run plays. That's what I think you would probably see with Drake May. But either, I mean, we've said it on here, and Mac Brown said it in his press conference earlier this week of recording. Uh, I mean, either way you go with these two quarterbacks, you feel pretty confident in these guys. The talent level for both guys are extremely high. You mentioned it. This is a guy that was at one time committed to Alabama. So clearly the talent is there. I I think you can't go wrong with either guy. But yes, I think if you look at Drake May, he's the guy that projecting long term, the ceiling is a lot higher with him than it is with Criswell for this offense. And if he gets in there and can get settled, I I would not be shocked if he has – a quietly big season is his first as the starter for Carolina. The next guy I have is a guy that we we really need, or the Carolina really needs to to be a big part of what this team wants to do defensively, if they're going to be a big uh, or, or a much improved defensive team. And that's that's Des Evans. This is a guy who came in, you know, borderline, depending on what what recruiting site you went by, five star 
recruit, had all the expectations in the world, and like many players in, in Jay Bateman's defense, underperformed, struggled to find his role, where he best fit on the defense and stuff like that. And um, and, and with that, it drew, drew a lot of criticism uh, from yours truly and many other Tar Heel fans. I do think that Gene Chizik coming in here has been a welcome sight for him. I think he'll have a much more identified role and stuff like that. He's put on the weight to be able to to rush the passer, um, you know, in in the ACC and be able to get off blocks and 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 and, and do some stuff like that to help Carolina um, in, in in the run game. And you know, this is the type of guy that uh, Carolina's got to get. They got to be able to get more pressure with four. And I think you know you want to get interior pass rush and stuff like that, but you know you at least you, you at least got to have one guy off the edge. You know that's going to get to the quarterback. I've really had that. Des Evans fits the mold, and I do feel like for him it's kind of now or never. Like if he doesn't do anything this year, you're probably looking back at him and and considering him one of the bigger busts in recent Tar Heel football history, given his rating and, and all the expectations coming in. And you know I talked about you know with Eccles. You know what what Gene Chizik did in 15 with those linebacking cores. Our defensive line in 15 was really good too. He got the most out of that defensive line that ultimately wasn't all that talented. Des Evans is one of the more talented defensive linemen we've seen. You know, really since Butch Davis and stuff was here, so he can do wonders with them. And I I, I do think he's ready to emerge and be a guy that's going to get double digit sacks and be you know in the same breath as some of the best pass rushers in the ACC. I mean the statement that you you said about this is now or never for him is definitely true, but it also kind of stinks because I feel like this is a guy that we've looked at over the last couple of years and kind of said to ourselves, you know the talent is there why isn't it clicking? But when you go back and look at how he was utilized in Jay Bateman's defense, it's like, okay, well, that makes a little more sense. This was a guy that back in high school, hand in the dirt, get after the quarterback, easily one of the best sack artists in the entire state of North Carolina. He That was all he did was get after the quarterback. Jay Bateman wanted to use him as a guy that could be a gadget player, that you could occasionally drop back into coverage. Um, that you know was was used as a stand-up outside linebacker, and that's not what his strength was. So I think this year it's going to fit him a little bit better. The system that he's in. Um, the thing is, is how quick you know how quickly can he shine in this system? Because I got to tell you, this is one of those ones where hey, if he struggles, there is a legitimate chance that he will lose snaps very quickly. Because you've got Cayman Rucker, who is behind him, who has a proven track record, and is another guy that really seems like he, the the change in system fits him very well because his role will be more defined as well. So I think there is a lot of potential here for him. There's no doubt about it, and I think he's one of those guys that a lot of people think will break out. And you could also put him on the list of the most important players to take a step forward this year for Carolina, it's about how quickly can he make that impact this season and can he build off of all the positive stuff that we've heard about him so far this offseason. I'm with you. I think he definitely can, and I think he he could be poised for a pretty big season for Carolina on the D-line. My last guy is probably the guy that most people probably aren't aren't expecting to be a breakout player. They expect him to be a contributor, but I really feel like Rod Dilworth is going to be – a guy that 
towards the second half back back of the season. We're really going to be talking about, you know, I've really talked about Eccles and Dilworth being that that Bruce Carter, Quan Sturdivant type of duel or duo at the linebacker position. When when those two dudes were playing linebacker at Carolina, you could argue they were the best linebacking tandem in college football. Um, and they were a big part of why that defense was so good when Butch Davis was here. And Dilworth has been a guy that, you know, that that ability to get sideline to sideline is, is you know, you, 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 you can't coach it, you can't teach it. He's got that speed. He knows how to recognize plays and, and, and get to the ball and, and stuff like that. I think he could be a guy that the more he gets comfortable in himself and, and in the defense – Maybe we could use use them in the pass rush and all this, all these different types of things, and kind of like with Eccles, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to put a number of tackles or sacks or ints or anything like that, but I just think he's too he's too gifted, he's too talented to not be making big time plays, you know, for for Carolina in this defense. I know we're going to see, you know, a, a lot of nickel sets, which means only two linebackers on the field, but I wouldn't be surprised if. When we're in October and November, we see sets with those two linebackers being Eccles and Dilworth because I do believe they are the future of Carolina's defense at that linebacking spot. And just really interested to see how them two are we're going to play well together because we have such high hopes. They, they came in with so much talent and expectations and stuff like that. I feel like Gene Chizik's know how to use them better than Jay Bateman would have or maybe any other defensive coordinator. So, um, he's probably my most bold guy to be on my breakout players list because I think he's going to be more of a maybe. I mean, people's mind a contributor, not a not a breakout guy. But I think he's going to be a dude that when we're talking about next season, we're going to know going in he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the ACC. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be a guy that's going to come off the bench behind Eccles or. Gray, I think he probably, like you said, you'd like to see him really rotate in behind Gray. But I will say this. One of the things about Cedric Gray that there has been some criticism of is his ability to tackle in the open field. There were a lot of missed tackles from him a year ago um, where he could have had just an absolutely monster season. So if that's something that he does not improve upon, there is a chance that you could eventually see both of these guys start. In terms of Dilworth and, and like not contributing so far in his career, there's there should be no concern about that. He was a guy that came in. He, he weighed about 210 pounds when he came to college. He was extremely light, but he just had the skill set that fits the linebacker position that you want. So he's a guy that needed to put on weight. Now he's done that. He's gotten to a weight that the staff feels comfortable with him at, and I think that there is a chance that he could certainly be a big part of what Carolina does at the linebacking spot this year. And look, it this is one where I think you're on to something here because I think this year, with Gene Chizik there, you're going to see more rotation at that linebacker spot. That has been one thing. You know, first couple of years, you know, Carolina, you saw that evolution of more depth being rotated in, primarily on the defensive line. I mean, remember back in 2019, Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford nearly played the entire season. And the defensive line, we've started to see more rotation. You see it a little bit more in the secondary. The linebacking spot is an area you never saw Jay Bateman's staff start rotating more often. I mean, it was a little bit more often from 2019 to 2020. 2019, 
I mean, Chad Surratt and Jeremiah Gimmel pretty much played the entire season for Carolina at linebacker. But um, I, I think that you're going to see more rotation there than ever before this year. I think Tommy Thigpen wants to get multiple guys on the field. They want to be able to keep these guys um, you know, in, in, in good shape for the entire season. And they want everybody to sort of be able to perform at their peak when they get to the second half of the year and when they're making a push for potentially the ACC Coastal. So I, I think Dilworth's a guy that's not going to start at linebacker. He may not start the whole season, but I think with the there is going to be more rotation this year, and I think for that reason you're going to see him out there more than you've seen him in the first two years and more than you've seen a lot of the other backup linebackers for Carolina over the last couple of years. So uh, there's your top five. You want to run through them just really quick once again for people if they are just joining us here. Yeah, so I have Power Eccles, Bryson Nesbitt, Drake May, Dez Evans, and Ra Ra Dilworth. That's not my ranking of least or, you know, least bold breakout to most bold. That was just the way yep. whenever I was doing this, these names entered my brain threshold. And that's how I revealed him here on the pod. That's right. You only you think like you do. Uh, if I had to say, if I had to rank them from most bold to least bold, I would say the most bold very clearly is Dilworth. I'd probably have Drake May as your second most, just because we don't know what that quarterback battle is going to end up looking like at the end of the day. Um. I guess three would be Bryson Nez. That, that's a tough one, man. Because I think I, I think a lot of people, if you ask them, the 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 they'll have Des Evans, Power Eccles, and Bryson Nesbitt on there in some capacity. But I would probably say Nesbitt, just because we, we got to see the tight ends. We we got to see it before we can believe it a little bit because we've been told year in and year out that the tight ends are going to be more involved and they never seem to be. Um, after that, I would probably put Eccles just because you also have Dilworth on the list there and there's a chance that if Dilworth breaks out, it's in part because Eccles struggles and he is a guy that steps up for him. And then uh, Des Evans, I think that's a, somebody everybody's going to have on their list. There's no doubt about it. So I'll run through mine, and yeah, uh, I, I went, as I said, from least bold to most bold, and I number one, I have Des Evans. Um, you know, again, as it's like I said, I think the system change fits him very well. Um, I'm interested to see one of the things that I'm really intrigued to see with him is, you know, is he a guy that Carolina trusts to be out there to seal the edge as a run defender? Because I think that will also be a big part of determining just how much he plays this season for Carolina. But, you know, going back to his high school days, I want to see that Des Evans. I want to see the guy that had his hand in the dirt, and I wanted to see the guy that showed that he can handle playing with physicality. Carolina needs these guys that can be physical up front, that can win those one-on-one battles like you were talking about earlier and like we heard Mac Brown say so many times last year about that defensive line, that they were needing those guys to do that, and they weren't seeing that, and we were just kind of pushing it off saying they'll figure it out once they get into the season This year, you need that. You need to be able to get more natural pressure. It shouldn't be on the coaching staff to have to scheme those blitzes to try to get pressure on the quarterback. And I believe that Des Evans definitely has that ability. And here's the thing. If he doesn't, I think he knows this year more than any 
that if he doesn't, then he is going to have a short leash on him. The other thing is, is you know, on the flip side of that, he is going to be starting the year as the starter at the power end position. This is the first time he's going to start the year as a full-time starter. He did not start the year last year as a full-time starter. So I think maybe that situation, more trust from the coaching staff in him, could lend well to him having a breakout season this year. Yeah, I think it's just something that that Carolina needs him to 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 break out. I, I think if if he shows up week one and is leading the charge, you know, getting after the quarterback, being a being a factor in the run game, I think it'll just be something where this defense will be more confident that that they're going to be much better because you know we we because if Jeans has got to send you know five guys, six guys to 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 get pressure on the quarterback, as good as this secondary is. You know, in 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 today's football, they're not going to be able to hold up. And you know, they need some leaders up front. I think if he's a guy that can emerge as a leader, it'll be a, a really big thing for this defense as they try to just become an average unit. And as you said, there were guys that really stepped up the first time that Gene Chizik was here. Uh, the guy that led the team in sacks was Mikey Bart. That's a guy that most people probably wouldn't have picked before the season to be one of the guys that can get to the quarterback the most consistent. But the other thing is, going back and looking at that 2015 season, you have multiple guys that were able to step up. So I think, look, there's a bunch of guys that I think have to step up. I think Des Evans is the guy that, from what we've heard in camp, is the guy stepping up right now, and I think he is the one that's going to break out out of that group. Number two, I have Power Eccles. I, I think... You know, again, they, they, they've they got him alongside of a guy in Cedric Gray who's who's looking like he is going to be that leader, but you need a guy that is your typical middle linebacker. And this is the guy that I think it, it fits that role perfectly. And you go back to Gene Chizik's time here back in 2015 and just look at the jump that you saw. Now, granted, played a different position, but look at the jump that you saw from Shakir Rashad from the first few years that he was on campus to Gene Chizik's year with him in his final season at Carolina. Just completely different players. And I think that's the type of effect that Gene Chizik can have on these guys. Again, part of it's on Tommy Thigpen. He's got to continue to coach these guys up as well as their position coach. But I think Power Eccles plays with that reckless physicality that Carolina wants. It's It's a... They need somebody that is willing to take some risks, but that has the athletic ability to make plays. And more importantly, they need guys that can get off of blocks. Yeah, no, it, he does that. It's it's really interesting how similar of a situation Gene Chizik's inheriting compared to when he came back the first year. This was a defense that gave up a lot of points, couldn't stop the run, and was not, not even a finesse defense. They were soft. And he had to instill you know, a level of physicality that you shouldn't have to really instill in defensive players. Flash forward seven years later, he's taking over a defense that gives up a lot of points, couldn't stop the run, and was a very soft defense a year ago. And so you got to have some dudes that can lay the wood, and, and that's Power Eccles. That guy isn't going to be afraid to, you know, make his presence known and felt he's going to he's gonna pop some helmets off this, this year and, um, I, I think that's something this, this this team needs because they've been pushed around far too long. Even as talented as are, they've been pushed around a long too, far too long. And you need some guys going to go in there and, 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 and lay the wood. He's a guy that's going to do that. And, you know, I, I think we're all excited to see what he does on the field for Carolina. 
Third guy, Bryson Nesbitt. Again, a lot of the things that you talked about with the tight ends potentially being more involved, I agree. I think the other thing here is, especially now, Carolina is probably going to use him a pretty significant amount at wide receiver. With with, with, uh, Antoine Green out, um, he's a guy that is going to be looked to to move back into that wide receiver room and probably play some pretty significant reps there. So, uh, you know, look, that's going to give him the opportunity to probably create a little more separation than he would at tight end. Um, and it's also going to give him a chance to probably play on the outside in in some situations where he normally wouldn't. He gives Carolina that guy that you can throw the ball up to, and he can go up and make a play on the football. Carolina is looking for more guys that can win those 50-50 balls. And I think he's also a guy that, yeah, you, you mentioned it, can be you know that red zone threat, but I think can also be a third down threat for Carolina. He's one of those guys that I think can, you know, once they get Antoine Greenback or if they can find somebody on the outside, even when he moves back to tight end, can be that trusty safety valve, but that is athletic enough to do some things after the catch as well to, you know, make some big plays out of, Nothing, and I think that's what Carolina wants from these tight ends. You you said this is a guy that kind of resembles what we saw from Eric Ebron, and I think, yeah, to a certain extent you're right. That's a pretty lofty comparison for sure. Eric Ebron is probably the best tight end in, in Toriel football history, but he's definitely one of those guys that I think you, you see the reason why Carolina – valued him so much on the recruiting trail. The raw talent is there, and I think this year he's going to get much more opportunity than he did last year, and I think it's it's going to create some scenarios where you will see two tight ends on the field, something that we would have never thought of talking about the first couple of years under Phil Longo. Yeah, if, if Phil Longo doesn't use his tight ends this year, um, I'm going to be really disappointed because I feel like with all the questions you have at wide receiver outside of Josh Downs, there's really no excuse to not use them because you have them and, they, and they're they all versatile in their own right. But this is a guy that he's a weapon in the passing game. You should be able to scheme matchups for him week in, week out, whether it's lining up him you know, in the slot, you know, outside like a wide receiver, or if he's lining up at, 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 at that traditional tight end spot, maybe you put him in the, in, 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 in the backfield sometimes as well. He should be a guy that you should use in a multitude of different ways because he can do a lot of different things. And, you know, if if, if if Phil Longo doesn't use him, you know, maybe we should have to tell him how much of a fan of tight ends we are. And maybe that'll break through his, you know, his his thick skull. I'm sure. Because, you know, like the first couple of years, it made a lot of sense. You had De'Ami Brown. You had Daz Newsom. Last year, Josh Downs, the first eight weeks, you didn't need anyone because he, he, he was able to beat defenses himself. This year, though, they're going to be able to take him away more easily, and you're going to have a new quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, a tight end has always been a quarterback's best friend, so the, this should be a week one thing where they are a part of the game plan. There should be something that you're working in the second half of the season like it was last year. Yeah, and I mean, especially with Nesbitt, he creates, I think, more mismatches against linebackers or safeties than even the guys that you've had in years past, and I think you need to take advantage of it. My The other thing with the tight end group really quickly is that Look, these guys have proven it. Kamari Morales did a year ago. He he became a, a threat for Sam Howell, especially early on in the year. Um, I mean, look, he led you in receiving in one game, in the game against Georgia Tech. So, 
you know, there there is capabilities there. The little, you know, the little time that we saw Bryson Nesbitt on the field, he just made plays. And I think that, you know, with more time on the field, he's going to be able to do that once again for you. So yes, use these guys to help you out. Don't put all the pressure on your receivers to step up outside of Josh Downs because if you do that again this year, it might be similar results to what you saw last year until you get Antoine Green back. Um, one of the guys, interestingly enough, speaking of the wide receivers, the fourth guy that I have on here as we get more and more bold uh, is Andre Green Jr. And this is one that I don't know how bold it really is because the start to spring or to fall practice, excuse me, has been outstanding for him. He's a guy that's been raved about by just about everybody that has gone out and seen this team practice. And it looks like he is going to at least have some sort of role as a freshman. But this is a guy that gives Carolina something on the outside that they do not have right now. I mentioned Bryson Nesbitt could be that guy that can win the 50-50 balls. This is what Andre Green Jr. specializes in. Going back, watching his high school tape, if you're looking to find a guy that just catches some of the most difficult passes for a wide receiver to catch in 50-50 situations. It's this guy. Um, this is pretty much what he... That that was why he was recruited by Carolina and by other schools. It's throw the ball up and he will climb the ladder and get it no matter which corner he is playing against. And look, as a freshman, you know there is going to be a learning curve for him. He's definitely going to be challenged a lot more than he was in high school, but Carolina's got one of the better defensive backfields in the ACC if they stay healthy. And right now, they're healthy. And this guy's making plays every single practice. There's something that there is something to be said about him shining like that out of the gate. And as we've talked about, that learning curve for freshmen, it's a lot thinner for skill position players on both sides of the ball than it is in the trenches. I think this guy has a legitimate chance to break out this season and become one of Drake May's favorite targets very early on. It would it would be a nice a, a nice addition to this offense. Something you know the someone back on the you know on the outside a jump ball type of wide receiver. Um, but you know it, it's really it, it's really hard you know because we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. But I do feel like oh, if well, it, you do you say Drake May. Well, I mean like that's who I think it's going to be. But yeah. We, I, I do feel like he's more liable to break out if Drake May is the quarterback as opposed to Criswell. I guess that's how I would put it. Well, here's the, the this is the one thing that I would say, is that he's also a guy that I think has definitely proven he can be a deep ball receiver as well. And from what we you know, what we heard after the spring game, Josh Downs says that Jacoby Criswell is the best thrower of the deep ball that he's ever played with. That includes Sam Howell and everything like that. So, I mean, I think Jacoby Criswell, he's got the arm strength. There's no question about that. Um, so, I, I, I don't know, man. I think I, I think either way, this is a guy that, look, if he's this good of a receiver, it doesn't matter which quarterback's out there. He's going to be able to make plays. And I feel like, you know, he, he's, he seems like he can be that guy. And, and I, at the least, I think he will be a guy that will factor in in some capacity, especially in the red zone, because of his height, because of his ability to climb the ladder and catch the football. 
And and we saw it last year. There were a lot of times where Carolina needed to win that 50-50 ball and did not. In years past, they were doing that, and they were doing that consistently. So they need that guy to return to this offense. And part of it is that, look, I think he has that skill set. The other part of it is I don't know who is the other guy in that room right now that you're feeling that confident in to step up and do that. I don't see that guy. I don't say. I don't know if J.J. Jones can be that guy. That's not really his strength. Um, Justin Olson. We've seen Justin Olson. We saw him last year. He's a guy that hasn't been talked about a lot in the fall for a reason. So I think this is. He's got an opportunity. It's whether or not he can seize it. The final guy that I have on my list, and this is the most bold, probably of any of the guys that either one of us have on the list, is Amari and Hampton. And that that's right. With Andre Green Jr. as well, that's two guys that were June enrollees, that were summer enrollees for this team, that weren't here back in the spring. But from the highlights that I saw of the scrimmage, and even the practices here the last couple of days, Amorian Hampton's a guy that's showing up in just about every highlight package. And he is doing exactly what we thought he was going to do. He is really looking very similar to the guy that we compared him to coming out of high school in Javante Williams. He's a guy that's running hard. Carolina needs that type of guy because they really they kind of lacked that guy last year. Even I know, Ty Chandler still ran for over 1,000 yards. He did some really good things for Carolina. They did not have that guy that in between the tackles could shake off hits, and keep going. And, and and that was what made their offense so successful back in 2020. This is the guy that can fill that role for Carolina. And again, coming in later is going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be tough for him to climb that depth chart. But this is also a room that had a lot of question marks in terms of the makeup of this room overall, of how you know the reps would be divided behind British Brooks. So I think the opportunity is there, and the more that he keeps flashing, the more that we hear Mac Brown talking about him in press conferences, the more confident I am that, as a freshman, this guy can make an impact for Carolina immediately out of the gate despite coming in in the summer. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the thing about it is like these are, these are big parts of why this recruiting class was as revered as it was, and, and, and so I, I – even though they are true freshmen, even though they are, you know, summer enrollees as opposed to spring, you know, or winter enrollees, there's a it's it's acceptable to expect them to do something. And and whether it's it's run for you know, five hundred yards and four touchdowns, whatever it is, like there th- this guy is gifted. And look, Carolina doesn't have a clear answer at running back. So if it's a true freshman you're not going to be overly surprised that, like, if he's stealing snaps away from British Brooks, I'm not going to complain. If he's stealing snaps away from, you know, Caleb Put if he's healthy, I'm not going to complain. So, um, you know, running back is a little bit harder than it is at wide receiver to really come in and and be a big-time playmaker we've seen in college football as a true freshman. But um, yeah, as, as, as gifted as that room is, there's, they're looking for a lead. They're looking for a leader. They're looking for a couple guys to emerge. If it is Amari and Hampton, I'm not going to be surprised. And you know, if if you're being compared to to Javante Williams, that's that's not a pretty bad comparison. Yeah, he's, not really. 
You know, it'd be like being compared to me when, you know, when, when I was a church basketball Here legend. Here we go. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I do feel like if if Carolina can establish that running game early in the season, it would be it would do wonders for whoever's that quarterback and really do wonders for this offense. And, you know, maybe it is that guy. I mean, like I said, I'm not opposed to whoever it is. I don't have a personal favorite. Right. Uh, there's not one guy I'm helping on seeing carry the football. We know they're going to use a rotation of guys back there. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if, if Hampton is one of the guys we see toting the rock in Carolina this season. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of at the point now where I think both him and Petaway could see significant time because they are already drawing rave reviews and people are already drawing those comparisons to Carter and Williams with the type of impact that they are making in fall camp and as we've talked about this defense has some talented guys on it so for them to be making that type of impact it's huge and I don't I look at the around the rest of that room and yeah I think British Brooks did some really good things late last year and he will be the leader for that group out of the gate but outside of him you know there are questions DJ Jones hasn't stayed healthy and even when he's been on the field you know he he's kind of had some moments where he's looked hesitant and has struggled to really put up um, you know, some some statistics consistently. And then, you know, you look at Elijah Green. That was a guy we heard a lot about in the spring. We haven't really heard a lot about him now in the fall. And he's still a guy that I think is a mystery. And then Caleb Hood. You talk about another guy that's had trouble staying healthy. So I think the, the door is open. I think Hampton's that guy that, you know, we, we didn't really know a whole lot about him coming in. Um, because you know he, he was a guy that enrolled in the summer, but the fact that he is already playing, you know, some significant snaps with the second team, I think is very telling and could lend well to him having a breakout season. So uh, we are going to take a quick break here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Come back, uh, I'll tell you about. The uh, Chapel Hill NIL Club, which was unveiled on Thursday, uh, and, and this is an interesting opportunity for you guys, the listeners of this podcast and the fans of Tar Heel football, to get involved and help Carolina student-athletes, uh, primarily the football program. Uh, so stick around. I'll tell you a little bit about that, and then we will get you out of here for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contest all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. 
Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe, co-hosting with me today. Let's tell you a little bit about the Chapel Hill NIL Club that was unveiled Earlier on this week, uh, on Thursday, this was uh, something that the players were sort of hinting to um, earlier in the week on the uh, NIL front, and this is a big deal for Carolina fans and for the pro- the football program uh, all together, and you know, it's it's a way to support every single member of the football team. So all the money, all the proceeds uh, that are raised through this, uh, they do go to the entirety of the team it's not just one player you don't pay it to one player um, like some of the other NIL deals that you see so this is why it is such a a, a, you know significant impact and and a different opportunity than a lot of the other stuff that Carolina is doing and then even a lot of the other schools are doing at this point Um, Carolina they've gotten it off to a a roaring start so far Um, and the best way the way that they describe it the Chapel Hill NIL Club is quote a membership based community it allows fans to financially support and interact with the team. Some of the benefits uh, that they list on there include, uh, of course, financially supporting uh, the team and, and, and becoming more of a com- a competitor when it comes to NIL. But it's also, you know, there, there are perks for fans. You have meet and greets and Q&As with players. I know one of them, uh, if you did donate $100 a month, uh, they are having a steak dinner where you will get to meet some of the players. Uh, so a really cool opportunity to also have on the website film breakdowns and other player-created content. And it's also a place uh, where you guys can chat. So it's a message board. It'll be a little more you know fine-tuned than maybe some of the other Carolina message boards that are out there. Or, of course the great cesspool that is Twitter. So uh, it's it's a great way for Carolina fans to get involved, to help support these guys. And look, so far, Carolina fans are coming out in droves. In the first two days on the day of recording, Carolina has already raised $4,000 in monthly subscriptions, or the Carolina NIL, or Chapel Hill NIL Club, I should say, has already raised over $4,000 in monthly subscriptions so Carolina fans, jump on and uh, help support this uh, football program. Help support the guys that you watch every single Saturday. It's a great opportunity for you. For more information on it, go to ChapelHillNILClub.com uh, or check them out on their Twitter page at Chapel Hill. NIL. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website. Again, player breakdowns are rolling out right now. We have just finished the offensive player breakdowns as of last night on the day of recording. So that means we're heading over to the defensive side of the ball. And we're telling you about that unit that will try to bounce back from last year. Of course, we'll also do the special teams. And then it's time to officially get you guys ready for the season. So this article or, or this uh, edition of the podcast will turn into an article where we'll go a little more in-depth uh, when it comes to our breakout players and why we think they will have breakout seasons. We've also got the bold predictions article that will come out as well with the corresponding podcast uh, that will go up sometime later on this week. So we are in that time. And then... On the, on the week of the game, it is pretty much all focus on Florida A&M. Carolina opens on Saturday, August 27th at 8 p.m. from Keenan Stadium against the Florida A&M Rattlers. 
Uh, and we'll have you covered on all fronts there with a preview, recap, uh, stock report. All that stuff's coming back this year. Maybe a couple new elements also that'll be coming to you guys this year. And it's all going to be in one central location on the website, HeelToughBlog. Com. You can go there and check out the podcast as well. Uh, both the Heel Tough blog po- podcast and the Four Corners podcast have a tab at the top of the page, so you can check them out there or check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, wherever you do, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Rating and reviewing would be greatly appreciated because it sort of helps us to get a little more recognition for the podcast on some of those platforms. But it also, you know, in terms of the review, gives us a little bit of, you know, things that we can work on ourselves. But the biggest thing is make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss any editions of the podcast because we have so many great editions coming throughout the year. There's some things we're working on behind the scenes to try to give you even an even better in-season experience than we have the last couple of years. And uh, also make sure you check out our social media pages at Heel Tough Blog uh, on Facebook. You could search it in the search bar as well, Heel Tough Blog, um, and you will find the page where everything is in one central location. All the articles that we just talked about, all the podcast editions are in there as well, as well as the waveform editions of the podcast. And whenever they return, the video editions of the podcast will be in there as well. And also head over to our Twitter page while you're at it. It's, as I mentioned, a little bit of a cesspool, but there's definitely some good things on there. It's a great place to get all your news. At Heel Tough Blog for uh, the official page. And then head over to our personal pages as well, where we, you know, put up a, a few more things um, around Toriel football and Toriel basketball that doesn't make it onto that page. At HTB Anthony for me, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh, and at Hacked Zubber 2 for our recruiting guy, Zach. Hubbard. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.